When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. Do not go gentle into that good night. Poetry, I feel, is a tyrannical discipline. I was trying to tell a story. The book came to me in a sort of a haze. This is how to write a good short story. No hope, just booze and madness. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness. Now... Lend me your ears. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Literati, the world's first audio-only TV show. We're your hosts, Colin and Michael. I'm Colin, and the other one? <laughs> well, that smooth motherfucker is Michael. Hey, you said it, not me, LOL. <laughs> L.O.L. Anyway, this is obviously a podcast about books. Obviously. And so that must make us expert bookmen. And surprise, we are. Don't believe us? Fine. You can leave. Ain't nobody asking you to stay. Actually, I am going to ask you to stay. On record, I really like you guys. Okay, fine. Stay. Whatever. I don't care. I'm sick of talking about it. But if you stay, you might as well learn what makes us such talented expert bookmen. Yes. Well, I am so obsessed with books that I visited Mark Twain's grave over 100 times, which is a lot. Especially considering that I've never visited my father's grave. And we buried him in the backyard. So honestly, I'm going out of my way to avoid it. And I'm such an amazing reader that when I'm reading a book, instead of using a bookmark, I keep my place with a smaller, thinner book that I'm also reading at the same time. And guess what I use as a bookmark for that tiny book? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe like a magazine? Nope, a little slice of prosciutto in case I get hungry. (laughs) Oh, that's why your library smells like a deli. Anyway, today we have a really wonderful show for you, but before we get to the good stuff, we have to unfortunately do some of the learning stuff. Ugh, I know, I know. But you know what? Who said learning can't be fun? Us. We said that many times, online, in person, during weddings. It's kind of like our catchphrase. But this learning might just be fun. (laughs) So, Colin, I have a question for you. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Oh, I know this one. Um, You go outside and you jump in front of traffic. And then when the ambulance comes, just say music is your medicine and give them the address of Carnegie Hall as your preferred hospital. Boom. Free ride. Close but wrong. The answer is practice, practice, practice. And that's also how you learn to write a masterpiece novel. But how do you practice writing? You might be thinking like an idiot. Well, you actually practice all the time. Wow. Yeah, whenever you leave someone a note or send a loved one an email, even when you send a sext, 
You're practicing writing for your novel. So we wanted to take some time today to help you practice writing by sharing a new free writing app that we developed just for you, our listeners. It's so easy and actually fun to use, but there are some specific guidelines we got to go through. Yeah, and you can even follow along while listening to this podcast. It's so simple, okay? All you have to do is open up iTunes on your computer or the podcast app on your phone, and then you go to Literati with Colin and Michael. See? It's so easy. Easy, you're already here. Easy, and it's also fun. So next step is to go to the ratings and reviews section. This is where we've integrated the app that we made, and it's actually a clever reference to writing because books get reviews. See? That tracks. So before you can actually write anything, you need to unlock the app by filling out five out of the five stars. Okay, this is one of those little CAPTCHA things that makes sure you're not a robot. Right, because apparently it's very human to be able to see the potential of five stars and then complete that, and only a cold, dead robot robot would do less than that. Again, this is a free tool that is integral to you becoming a better writer. After that, you can pull up the review section and this is where you get to shine, mm. where you get to be creative. Now, this isn't just a stream of consciousness writing app. And we found that those are tricky because they are too open-ended. Right. I mean, it's hard enough sitting down to the empty blank page and trying to come up with something interesting. That's why we wanted to give you guidelines, some bumpers to help you focus. With this app, you're going to practice writing in the form of a review. We all know them. We all love them. Something else we believe is that the world is full of too much negativity. So our challenge to you is to be as glowingly positive as possible. <laughs> Even if it seems way too enthusiastic and unrealistically satisfied, just use that as the challenge. I mean, push yourself to be creative and say the nicest, kindest, most complimentary things you can even imagine. But also, feel free to be vague. So vague that someone reading the review might think you're writing about anything. And if you do this, it will open up your mind and your creative soul in ways you never thought possible. It will free you from the confines of self-judgment. And the best thing about this app... You can use it over and over and over again, hundreds, even thousands of times. But you have to go to Literati with Colin and Michael, fill out the five stars, maybe create a new user ID, and then just write these fun reviews. Mm -hmm. And just really, you can write anything. You can write, ooh, this was so enjoyable to listen to. I really loved it. I'm going to share it with my friends. Yeah, and or like something like, uh, I learned so much, but also it was so much fun, too. Even just good. Even good. Good. That's Great. I don't want to, I don't want to, I, mean, I don't want to push it, you. you know. Jump off from that. Yeah, and again, just different usernames, unlock uh, with the capture, the five-star, do this, and then just say something, you know, like, uh, hey, these guys are fun, they seem relatable, and uh, I really like them, I want to get to know them. Or this is the best podcast I've ever listened to, and it brought back my dead family members. Yes, just something like that, that's believable and positive. And if you do this, it will keep us from going completely out of business, okay? We can't really explain why, but the better you do at using our writing app, the less likely we are to be canceled. And right now, it's a, it's a close call, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um... We just, uh, we're not desperate, but um, no. I just want to say that it's important that you have fun and get loose and tell your friends and family to use it. Or, or seriously, Colin and I are going to be in trouble. Yeah. Like um, some of these forever dog guys are threatening to break our kneecaps. But I mean, it's so you guys get better at writing, so just use it. You yeah, know? everybody wins. <clears throat> yeah. But fortunately, our guest for today's episode isn't going to get in any kind of trouble at all. In fact, we are so excited to have this amazing writer reading a little bit from their own life, from their book called Wake Me Up Before You Jojo, for you now, a reading from 
Jojo Plunker. Hi, I'm Jojo Plunker, and this is my new book, Wake Me Up Before You Jojo, a memoir in five parts about my harrowing experience out of a small town and into the world. This book is dedicated to the crickets that sang me to sleep and the cockroaches that keep me up at night. Part 1. Adolescence The dust was thick, the moon was out, the cows they mooed, and there I sat, staring out the busted window of my broken-down home, looking out on my town, Dixie, Tenna, Louisiana. It was a simpler time. We didn't have cell phones or video games. It was 2005. A night of entertainment consisted of stories the elders told us and trading school books for cigarettes. I was the Dixie good girl. Everyone in Dixie knew my mother was an addict and my father was a drunk, but they also knew that I could recite the entire Bible from front to back. In reality, it was the town that raised me. Mrs. Eustace the florist would feed me sunflower seeds so I could grow big and strong. Mayor Gregory let me work with him after school so I could learn the ins and outs of government cover-ups. Mr. Roberts, the mailman, taught me that opening other people's letters isn't a crime if you're really bored. Mrs. Haskins, the librarian, read me exotic stories from her personal diary. And then there was Miss Tracy, where my story really begins. Miss Tracy wasn't just a transplant from St. Paul, Minnesota, with a funny accent and a face tattoo. She wasn't just the mother I never had. She wasn't just the only person in town to live in an apartment. She was the head of the community theater. And little did I know, she held the key to the rest of my life. Part 2. My Fair Lady It was a windy and sunny day in 2005 when I first stepped into the Dixie Community Theater. The sun was nice, but the wind was rough. There were posters in the lobby of Broadway shows and women with big curly hair wearing off-the-shoulder dresses. I could hardly see the posters because that wind was blowing the door open and shut. But nevertheless, I knew that lobby was where I needed to be. I called out for Miss Tracy, Miss Tracy, Miss Tracy, but I could barely hear my own voice over that damn wind. I saw a loose brick on the ground and tried to shut the lobby door with it, but the wind, it got me. It sucked me out of the theater and back onto Oak Street and blew my overall skirt clear up, revealing my Mickey Mouse undies to the town boys. Every boy in town hung out on Oak Street from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m., and just my luck, it was 4.17. That's when I knew nature was not on my side. I decided to call it quits and come back tomorrow. But wouldn't you know it, it was windy for the next three years straight. It wasn't until March 26, 2008, famously the most humid day of the year in Dixie, that I took my first step into the Dixie Community Theater stage. Miss Tracy appeared out of the shadows like a gremlin at a school dance. She said to me, Jojo, sing. Now, I was the Dixie good girl, not the Dixie song girl. I'd never sung before in my life. Not in the shower, not in the car, not at a birthday party. But Miss Tracy said sing, and in Dixie, you do what the gremlins tell you to. I opened my mouth and sound came out. Good sound. There I was, like a regular Susan Boyle, belting my heart out. 
that's when I knew I needed to go to New York City. Part 3. Buses are better than planes, or so they say. Chugga, 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 toot, toot. That's the sound the train would have made if I had taken a train to New York. But I did it. I took a bus. My parents didn't send me off at the Dixie Bus Depot, but the town sure did. Mrs. Eustace was there with a Tupperware full of seeds. The mayor handed me a stack of documents and said, When you get to New York, shred these. The mailman gave me townsfolks' letters to read on the bus. Mrs. Haskins, the librarian, handed me bounded copies of her personal diary labeled 1984 to 1986, the Coke years. And next to them all was Miss Tracy waving me goodbye with her one good arm. As the bus pulled away and my whole world became smaller and smaller through the window, I said to myself, Goodbye, Dixie, good girl. Then I turned to the stranger next to me and said out loud, Goodbye, Dixie, good girl, to which she screamed, Shut the fuck up. It was the first time I'd ever heard a curse that didn't come from a witch. The stranger next to me had dark, choppy hair, the kind of hair you only saw in a scary magazine. Her nails were painted blood red, and her eyes were the color of grass, green. As I began to apologize for speaking, this girl pushed her finger to my lips to shush me and shoved what looked like a white piece of cotton with a cord attached to it into my ear. She said, listen. The music that came was nothing I'd ever heard before. It didn't mention Jesus, it didn't mention Rhodes, but it did mention the devil. Now remember, I can recite the Bible from front to back, so I'd heard of the devil, but not like this before. The people screaming over the instrument seemed to love him, worship him, and want to put their genitals in his butthole. I was intrigued. Part 4. Finding an Apartment 2009 was the summer of my life. I'd cut my hair, I celebrated my first year anniversary of living in New York City, and I was knee-deep in worshiping the devil. Sheila, my roommate, a dark-haired vagabond I'd met on a bus a year earlier, was moving to California to follow the Big Dipper. She said the stars move, so I should too. Sheila may have been following her dreams to California, but now I had to follow my dreams to a new apartment in New York City. Yikes. I looked everywhere for an apartment. Midtown, Hell's Kitchen, Midtown East. But I couldn't find anything that would allow me enough space to have a corner to practice singing in and a corner for my devil altar. One night, I was walking through Times Square, nearly homeless, wanting more than anything to be a famous singer on a stage. I looked up, I saw the lights, I breathed in the biggest breath I'd ever taken. And that's when it happened. The devil spoke to me. Little old me. And he said, if you can't have what you want, no one can. That's when I knew I had to hurt Sheila. Part 5. In Agada da Vida, baby. It's winter of 2011. Sheila's been dead by my hand for months, and the only things that matter to me are the devil, painkillers, and booze. One afternoon after my lunchtime devil devotions, I took an extreme amount of painkillers and shotgun malt liquor from a can. I stumbled all over midtown Manhattan, enjoying the best this city could offer me. The Gap, Old Navy, Sewers... And before I knew it, I was trespassing at the Lump Fontaine Theater. 
I walked myself up to the stage, and as I stood in the middle of an empty Broadway theater at 4.17 in the afternoon, surrounded by custodial workers too confused to stop me, I swear I heard the voice of Miss Tracy saying, Jojo, sing. I opened my mouth to share my gift in the theater that Matthew Morrison would one day perform Finding Neverland the musical. I opened my mouth, waiting for Susan Boyle to appear. But all that came out was Susan Boyle. After puking my body up, I passed out, just like my addict of a mother and my drunk of a father before me. As I awoke on a stretcher in an ambulance I couldn't pay for, I realized that even though I was no longer the Dixie good girl, I'll always be a Dixie chick. Jojo Plunker, that was incredible. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I gotta ask, first question, wake me up before you, Jojo. Is that a reference to something? Um, well... Yes. Okay. It's a reference to a song I heard one time in the middle of an H&M. Oh, gosh. <laughs> they really pump the jams in there. Well, so I, they play a lot of, of local music, I've mm-hmm. heard. <laughs> and Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. I was, who is this New York artist? I have to get on board with yeah. him. Well, you know what H&M stands for? Hell and more hell. Oh yeah! I thought it was holy moly. That's a good song. I think it it depends on what region you're in. I thought it stood for "Here is me" because that's what you say when you're in the middle of the store. That is, here is what, me. Well, that's yeah. That's how you get someone to help you get some of the clothes off the rack. Excuse me. Here is me. Yeah. So Jojo, I just want to start mm. by asking: um, This book is it real? You know, I always get that question. And I do have to say, yes, it is real. It's a memoir. Oh, yeah, because I feel like a lot of people these days, they're just throwing memoir on there. Yeah. It's like a, sort of a trend. Right, know? they but, think they can cash in on yeah. it without actually doing a memoir. But this is a genuine memoir that you admit murder to in. <laughs> yes. Okay. So cool. <laughs> yeah, because well, Sheila, it's you would kind of jumped from the... That is one, and I don't give notes often, but you say, I gotta kill Sheila, and then we jump to chapter five, and Sheila's been dead for years, I think. Yeah, well, you know... I wish we'd seen it. One of those show-don't-tell moments. Oh, well, I don't want to be uncouth in the book. I, right. I'm not a Dexter from the Showtime no, series, Dexter. I don't want to show the murder or the blood. You're a Dixie good girl, not a Dexter bad boy. <laughs> But I, I since I would never want you to be uncouth, but I since we're doing the podcast, of course, could you tell us how you killed her? Well, I gotta say, you sir seem like a vulture for bad news. I just love details. All right, well, how I killed her? It was <laughs> fairly simple. And just quickly remind me, who is Sheila again? In your in Sheila your life? is a woman I met on a bus to New okay. York. She was City. the one who played the song for you. She showed me everything about my world, and I ended hers. Now, I'm going to lay this out very simply for you, for any of your listeners, in case you want to replicate it on your own. Uh How I murdered her 
was I got many, many Percocets from the local city MD. If you stab yourself in the leg, they'll give you Percocets. They have to give you Percocets. And they have to tell you if they're cops, if you ask. Of course. And have you ever seen a doctor who's a cop? If you have, get that person an ABC Network show. That's a show I'd watch, Cop Doctor. doctor. Oh, I was going to say Dr. Cop. Cop MD. (laughs) NYPD MD. Now that's the show. Now I'd watch that. NYP MD? Question mark? No. Doctor by day, cop by night. 100% sleepy. (laughs) I'm just guessing if they've got two jobs. So you got all these Percocets from CityMD. And then you crush them up. Yeah. You put them in an Evian water. Because that's what women drink. Does it have to be Evian? Because we are sponsored by uh, Poland Springs. Oh, well, Poland Springs is what men drink. Yes, well, we <laughs> are men. <laughs> we we all know that Poland Spring is boy water and Evian is girl water. The two genders. There are two genders and there are only two waters. <laughs> So you put the Percocet in the Evian water. You leave it next to her bedside table. She drinks it before bed. She passes out real good. And then from there, you can it's dealer's choice because she's not going to wake up for anything that you do. You could strangle. You yeah. could stab. You could shoot, although that'd be loud, and then you'd have to give Percocet water to sure. all your neighbors who live in the building. And how many times can you stab yourself to go yeah. to and, City and, MD and you know, depen- before you start getting pretty big? And depending on who your neighbors are, you're going to have to get Poland Springs for some. You're going to uh, have to get Evians for others. And your water budget's through the roof. <laughs> what I like about this method of... Uh, murder is that if uh, Sheila did wake up, she'd have so many painkillers in her, it couldn't hurt. Oh, no. And that's it's gotta how, be the kindest way to kill. And that's really where it comes down to, yeah. is I, I'm still a good person mm-hmm. at heart. Mm. I worship the devil, I've <laughs> murdered someone, and I was arrested in the middle of a Broadway theater, and I mm-hmm. sued that theater for my trespassing, and I won. That's but well, it's all about your lawyer representation. It's all about your representation, <laughs> baby. Yes, it is. And I'm still a good person, so I want her to go peacefully. Well, you're from a small town, so yes. you've got to be a good, good person. Yeah. I was going to say the yeah. same thing. You're quaint and you're folksy. Yeah. And I'm also going to say, you're not the first person to cop to murder on this show. No, and you for sure won't be the last uh, because of, you know, just how the booker books. But I, I did want to, I, I, we are mostly here to talk about you as a writer, as an author, and Thank not you. you as a person. And murderer. And a murderer. But that being said, I just want to clarify. So you came to New York to pursue your dreams of being a singer. Yes. You listen to music, which, uh, what song, was there a specific song that talked about fucking the devil? In Negada da Vida, baby. <laughs> okay, that is the one from the... I mean, who chapter. knows what that means, but it's probably something satanic. It sounds Latin. It made me want to fuck Satan. And then you heard Satan speak to you, and then you killed your roommate and friend. Yep, that you've, you've got the... It just seemed like it was so quick of a... It didn't <laughs> okay. take a lot well, to push you. Well, if you, you listen to... Oh boy, if you listened to the years that no. were in there, 
There were some significant time jumps. Mm, so I'm just wondering, like, is there, this is, you know, feels like Game of Thrones. Like, so much time is happening and going past us. What happened in those missing years? Are there, I guess what I'm saying is, are there going to be more memoirs coming out? <laughs> the last years of Jojo Plunker? Well, I'm here to announce it. There will be more memoirs. Excellent. For the last years. I'm also writing a how-to book for women on the go. I'm calling it (laughs) Women on the Joe. Oh, that's what we need. I, I, you know, Colin and I are both Poland Springs men. But we're very much vocally in support of women. Oh, well, I was so happy to meet two allies in the flesh. And again, only vocally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, great. So, um how 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 did you learn to put pen to paper so eloquently? Now, that's a great question cuz in Dixie, now they don't teach writing. I I heard that they they trade textbooks for cigarettes. That's exactly there. right. Yeah. They trade textbooks for cigarettes and they trade talk chalkboards for bras. You know, they just all the salacious. The whole barter system. It does. It does. Whoever is getting, whoever is giving the cigarettes and bras and getting the chalkboards and textbooks, seems like they're getting a raw deal. Because then, what do they do with all this stuff? Well, it's the local strip club, and those girls are trying to reeducate themselves. And a lot of times, you've got to write out, you know, who's dancing tonight, who's on pole one, who's on pole two. You write that down on paper, it blows yeah. away in a very windy. Yeah. Windy day, three years straight uh, of wind. So they don't need the bras board. anymore. So they're they're giving those yeah. away. And yeah. what what would you trade for, say, a chocolate bar? <laughs> if you wanted a, if you were hungry for a chocolate bar, you went up. I mean, to, if uh, textbooks are going for a pack of cigarettes, yeah, I can only imagine what a sweet little chocolate bar yeah. would go for. A sweet chocolate bar is going for one ounce of cocaine. <laughs> okay, wow. <laughs> okay, so it's vice for vice. <laughs> sure. Oh. Dick Cheney. <laughs> we try to not swear on the podcast. I'm so sorry. Penis Cheney is what we call him. <laughs> or Lynn Cheney. Oh, I love her. I Well, that's sort of, uh, I think we can all, when we think of the Cheneys, we think of quaint, <laughs> down-home people, families, uh, Americans, and I I think we here at Literati, <laughs> people, get, if people could see us, <laughs> Jojo and, and I are nodding like as far back as our heads can go to as far down as our heads it can go. It looks like you're kind of passing out over and over again. But uh, <laughs> Which we, is what agreeing with stuff is. The, the curse of record, and I'm just going to say this to you, the curse of recording here in Brooklyn is we get <laughs> a lot of cosmopolitan types. It's a lot of uh, beanie cap wearing uh, Wall Street Journal reading hipsters. And we, it's just so... (laughs) I've met a lot of hipsters who do love the famed liberal outlet, the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, they love it for all the... You know, just just plaid shirts, you know, uh, big beards, just reading the Wall Street Journal. Dean and DeLuca sandwich bag. Opening (laughs) bank accounts left and right. Neiman Marcus. Yeah, polishing that bull on Wall Street. I get anywhere outside of Midtown, and I'm in, uh, 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 I'm in Argentina. You know, I'm in a yeah. different country. Yeah. I should. Uh, 
I, I mean, that's, I think what's so interesting about New York is that you've got Midtown and then the whole rest of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we, but we are kind of sick of some of these New York elitists. Mm-hmm. And that's why we were so mm-hmm. excited to have you. It's, Someone from a small town, a real person. Yeah. Yeah. And me Colin from and I, small town, real person from mm, Tenna, Louisiana, yeah. the state. Yeah. And we just wanted to know, like, about this folksy upbringing. Because Colin and I, we got some pretty folksy upbringings, too. I yeah. Was, I was known to kick a can down a street. Well, where did you grow up? In hometown Maruity. <laughs> so... <laughs> And, so, and Maruti Mar- <laughs> the- just outside of Tokyo, <laughs> a small rural town just outside of Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I I uh, grew up in just the smallest little town of Bern, Switzerland. Yeah. Oh, Michael so, so real small town boys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, can I just can I ask you? Do you vote? <laughs> as often as I, I can. can. And that's and what I say. Of as course, well. I'm still registered in hometown Maruti. And you in Bern. Mm-hmm. Because I want to affect change there. So every US election, I obviously mail my absentee ballot back <laughs> home <laughs> to just so outside of So you don't Tokyo. follow their election cycle. You do it at the US I'm so no you don't longer, feel left out. Yeah, I'm no longer. I do have dual citizenship for US and Switzerland because I visited Colin there so much that I was like, I might as well become a freaking citizen. <laughs> so you boys met before. Yeah, we met We York. met in Switzerland. Yes. Yep. I was yeah. summering just, there. Uh, yeah. Oh. We're just a couple of small yeah, town small boys. boys. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I, we, I come we, from immense money. Yeah. <laughs> but we summer in the smallest towns. Like, you really wouldn't ha- uh, imagine, like, how small these towns that we love to well, summer in. Well, because my dad invented Nestle Morsels, and he bought <gasps> us a town. Nestle Morsels. Oh, boy. If you got traded that in Dixieton, Louisiana, oh, yeah. you are eating for seven months. <laughs> Fine. It's the first one where it's food. It's like actual nourishment. Well, it's not cocaine or cigarettes. That's you eat why it one goes. One Nestle morsel a day. That's how you teach a man to fish. <laughs> you hook it onto the end of the line. You drop it in. Fish. That's what I think. That fish in the south love chocolate. Fish in the south love chocolate, and people don't. People have a lot of misconceptions about fish from the South. Let's let's talk about some misconceptions in general, just about folksy people. Because I know in Bern, Switzerland, everybody's like, oh, you guys love your fancy Swiss watches and you love skiing. And it's like, mm, no, I like watching American Idol and I like wearing sweater vests. That's what I like. Yeah, you know, I feel like people have a lot of misconceptions about me. Uh, you know, they see me and they think, what a hot. Piece of ass immediately. <laughs> Big. That's a, that's one of the misconceptions. <laughs> and I say, no, no, no. Uh-uh. That's not me. I'm not a hot piece of ass as much as you would love to objectify me in that mm. way. <laughs> because the thing is, is when I grew up, I did cover myself in creek water often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Creek water. Creek water. Creek water. <laughs> we, I, think, I feel like there's a regional thing. In Maruti, we called it a creek. <laughs> well, in Tenna, Louisiana, we call it a creek. Huh. Tomato, tomato. What, what is the purpose of, of covering yourself in creek water? Is it some? Does it help with the skin? 
So at a certain point in your life in Dixieton, Louisiana, if you're a girl, again, there are only two genders in this world. Uh, <laughs> not true. And we but- <laughs> vocally support both of them in word only. So once you reach a certain age, they try to push you into the strip club life. Sure. Well, you want to be part of the booming. <laughs> if you're a hot piece of ass, right. that's why it goes so backwards. You get pushed into the strip club, and then once you reach a certain age, you're trying to retroactively educate yourself. Right. But, yeah, what I've, from what I've heard is that the, 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 uh, the, the women working at the strip clubs are the only ones who are educated in this. Well, they're <laughs> but trying they have to, to fight educate. for it. Yeah. They, they have to, they fight, have to for fight for it. So at a certain age, if you know you're about to get pushed into the strip club, you go down to the creek. You make yourself a real creek girl. Okay? A water woman. A water woman. A creek monster. No one wants to see that creek monster up on stage. I have found that if you are covered in mud, people will not ogle you as much. That's true. They still will. Yes. But not as much. And often for different reasons. People will say, uh-oh, did they fall in? Uh-oh, is that a bog monster? <laughs> or a swamp thing? And then they realize, nope, that's just a hot piece of ass covered in creek water. And so it really, it's a defense mechanism. So it must have sucked to be, it must have sucked pretty hard to (laughs) be objectified and seen as just uh, one thing when really you're a writer. I'm really a writer. And for a while. And a singer. Well, for a while I thought I was a singer. singer. I'm really a multi-hyphenate. Okay. (laughs) I'm a writer. I'm a singer. I'm a devil worshiper. I'm a murderer. I'm a criminal. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. (laughs) And one day I will be a mother. And you're also an investor, right? (laughs) Yes, I do invest. You um you do a lot of like trading on the apps like Robinhood and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not familiar with the app Robinhood, but I do. Invest yeah. in Evian Water. Okay, cool. I'm stuck. Um, sorry. Oh, what, well, one thing that I find very interesting, uh, being from small towns like we all are. Sure. If you're from a small town mm, and mm. you find out that you have any amount of talent, yes, you gotta get out. You of get there. out of there. I, I would rather be a small fish in a big pond than a big fish in yeah. a small pond. I have. Uh, Left a small town, like as soon as I get even like moderately good at any sort of talent, I leave town. And that's happened to you many times times. over and over. I've gone to New York. I've gone to L.A. Find out I can't cut it. Move back to the town. Try to pick up a new talent. Soon as I, you know, I start, I could juggle uh, two lemons for 15 seconds. I left town for New York. Found out I can't do anything. Came back. I learned three chords on a guitar and I, like, I went right back to and New York And I imagine City. every the time you're leaving these small towns, you're giving a big fuck you to everyone. Uh, yeah. You never believed yeah, in me. I, I burn a lot of bridges and like the last one, the last one was pretty bad. I learned uh, the, the Y and M part of the YMCA dance. And then I just got out of town. Yeah. You thought that was going to take you? I, I, I never learned the the C or the A. So it's I, but pretty I, I, intuitive. If yeah, you know the I know. Anyway. Does I, I, learned the the y, I learned the Y and, and the M to this dance. And I was like, 
I'm the best dancer in this town. And I was like, fuck all of you. I'm never coming back. And when Colin and I met, I was summering in Bern, Switzerland. And Colin had just learned how to do the thing where you raise just one eyebrow. Like kind of the snarky one eyebrow raise. And I was supposed to be, I was an exchange student. I was living with him and his family. And he... Just a couple of small town boys. And he went through town knocking on every door. And when the person would open it, he would say, you're nothing. You'll never be anything. I'm the biggest thing you'll ever see. And I'm out of here. And he did that to every single home. And this was late at night. So he was waking up people, families. He went to the library and he took every famous person in every book and ripped out the, you know, their picture. And just so... No there would, would be remember. no record he of any famous person other than me. a mural of himself on the church, which a lot of people said was a hate crime. But Colin said, couldn't be, because I'm a celebrity. <laughs> well, boys, I got to tell you, you've lived a life. <laughs> and so have you. Uh, so what have what you is, been up to <laughs> recently? Oh, great question. Well, I started an Etsy store. <laughs> Wow, how do you get one of those? That's pretty cool. Oh, well, you, all you have to have is a computer, uh-huh. a Wi-Fi connection, and a hobby, <laughs> and a friend who can make a cute little graphic. <laughs> That's all you need for an Etsy store. So my hobby is writing books, of course, also my profession. Mm-hmm. So I write little books for every, someone sends me a request of I, oh, I want to see myself as Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, I want to see myself as as, uh, William Wallace. Oh, I want to see myself as as Sally Field and Mrs. Doubtfire. And Mm. let's hear that story from her perspective for once. And so I write For once. Can we please... Hear the Mrs. Doubtfire story from Sally Field's perspective. Wouldn't it be a more compelling movie? You keep coming home and this old woman Mm -hmm. looks like your husband. What's she doing during the day? I don't want to follow around Robin, who's clearly, I mean, like, he's trying too hard. Let's follow Sally around. (laughs) I don't need to see the makeover scene with Harvey Firestein. No. I would rather see Sally Field going about her day and every so often this strange creature is in her home with I'd, her kids. I, I'd like to see Sally's childhood. <laughs> I I would love to see the movie where it's totally from Sally Field's perspective. We do not know that Robin Williams <laughs> is Mrs. Doubtfire until the very end. It's some sort of like sixth sense twist at the end yeah. where this old woman just starts peeling her skin off. You're like, what the fuck is going on? And in the way we'd shoot it is, (laughs) you you really couldn't tell it was Robin. We'd spend a lot of money. We'd get Andy Serkis in there, and we'd CGI the whole thing. Wouldn't it be a more interesting film if that's how it it ended? It would be very, I'm going to admit, it would be very boring for most of it because you'd just be like, she has a, very good mm, house. Very lovely. Uh, house, she's uh, got a nanny, nanny. housekeeper. She's dating yeah. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. It's, we're all very happy for her, but not much going on until the old lady mm-hmm. peels her face off. And it's Robin Williams. Yes. I'm rewriting the Bible from the innkeeper's point of view. 
that's interesting. It's now just which a innkeeper from the New Testament? <laughs> yes, the New Testament, the one who says there's no room at the inn, but you can sleep in the manger. So you're writing the entire Bible, even the stuff that would have happened after thousands of years beforehand, <laughs> thousands of years after, and it's all from the perspective. It's page for page. <laughs> so a lot of the pages, a lot of the pages are eh, still waiting around to be born. <laughs> Something soon will happen. Well, I gotta tell you, I think that'd be a great workplace sitcom. Oh, yeah. well, now what would that look like? Let's see it. Cut to. <laughs> Ah, well, another morning here in Bethlehem, and uh, I gotta open up this inn. Sure is gonna be tough filling up uh, the room on Christmas. Oh, knock, up? knock, knock. <laughs> it's Christmas morning, the holiday named for my soon-to-be-born son. Hi, who are you? Mary. And I'm Joseph. But Wait. we did not... Fuck this baby yeah. that's and, in me, not from him. And from that's how God. we talk. That's how we talk. I gotta say, I don't need to know the details. All I need to know is where's your dang credit card? Because I'm gonna book you guys a room as soon as I get those credit well, cards. Well, I'm 14, unfortunately, yeah, and, so I can't have a bank account yet. I only have a debit card. This is going pretty good. He doesn't good. believe in credit. No. Why do we live in a world where <laughs> you have to go into debt to prove that yeah. you have money? Well, yeah. I, that's, yeah. Why is that, innkeeper? <laughs> hey, whoa, and whoa, you whoa. perpetuate that because you run your system on a credit card machine. I, credit card's an option, but I'll accept other things if you have a... Uh, Apple Pay? Uh, no, I do not accept Apple <laughs> well, Pay. Well, he just got an Apple Watch, and he wants to use it. <laughs> okay, here's what I'll say. I can't figure out how to set the time but I have figured out how to pay people with it. He wants to wave it against the thing, wants to wave his wrist. And wanna... then boop, boop. Oi, it's me. I'm the janitor here, and I'm Ricky Gervais. Show you better watch out. I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's the funny, sorry, I'm the innkeeper. That's the funny janitor who's uh, from another country and is pretty kooky. And... Do we have to deal with him? Because it no. seems like we're just talking to you right now. Yeah, he's he's going to be gone. Actually, whoops, he just fell down the stairs and died. Uh-oh, I thought he was going to be coming back a lot. Huh. Well, anyway, you can have any room you want. Our, oh, our son knows how to do magic, though. Do you want him back? Is he a good janitor or anything? You can kind of bring him back if you like him a lot. That could be kind of cool. Yeah. Your son does magic and he worked yeah, here. Yeah, our son's uh, he can't speak yet, but he can do magic. You know what? I'm going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, great. Oh, I love oh, yeah, the collaboration process. That was really process. fun. That, oh. really fun. that felt tight. And at no point was I just sort of like looking, like was did I feel inundated with sound and just trying to figure out yeah. what I was going to say I next. I always knew yeah. what was happening. And you have to tell yeah. me, did the Ricky Gervais character come from the big well, you'll uh, have Ricky Gervais Ricky. poster that you have in the studio? You'll, you're going to have to ask Ricky that. That Ricky Gervais poster of him holding a book that says read? Yeah. Is that where that came from? Um, the thing is, I don't believe in God, right? So, won't you read a book called The Science Book, right? That is so good. That's a really, so that's a really good. good Ricky Gervais. That is so well, you're good. gonna have to tell that to Ricky. <laughs> so, Ricky Gervais, you do a very good Ricky Gervais impression. Cheeky, you having a laugh? 
<laughs> My favorite thing about Ricky Gervais is when he just says adjectives. <laughs> well, you're going to have to tell that to Ricky. Hey, Ricky. Yeah? My favorite thing about you is when you just say adjectives. A little bit randy. Uh, Isn't uh, it? There he goes. So, Jojo, yeah. um, would you sing for us? Oh, my Because according to your book, you sound like Susan Boyle. But so a little I, bit more like Susan Boyle. That's which only I'm, when she's nervous. So I, I can't wait to hear it. can't this. imagine she'd be nervous now. No. She's in a room full of two people she just met and a producer who's pretty much on his phone all day. Well, <laughs> what do you three want to hear? Can you uh, do that? What about that song... Um, by uh, John Panther Mellencamp called Itty Bitty Town. I know none of the words you just said. Didn't he have a song about a teeny tiny town? He might, but she doesn't know. I absolutely <laughs> don't know that song. What about Country Road by <clears throat> Denver? John, comma, John. <laughs> hey, your word against mine. Okay, here I go. I don't know how... You want this to be? <laughs> Do you just, want the lyrics? Just, I know, I know the. Just, well, I'm just going to sing the I'd chorus. Say just, just. Okay. Did you want me to start with verse one? <laughs> just make it the best. Oh, okay. In the words of Melania Trump, "Be best." Take me home, country road, to the place. I belong, West Virginia. <laughs> oh, she threw up. She threw up. Oh, no. It still it looks like it's just sort of, nothing's come out yet. I think you can power through. Yeah. <clears throat> it's okay. You got this. You got this. It's not going to happen. You know what? That was incredible. It was it, vulnerable it, of me. And it still is the best song I've ever heard. What I like is you hit you. so many notes. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I that's a little technique called scooping in singing. <laughs> How do you Where scoop? You just you take your voice and it's like your voice is scooping down in your throat. <laughs> take you me home. Country. Road. Just imagine your voice is a little shovel. And a little shovel and then you get all the notes in one note. And that's called a BOGO. Buy one, get one free deal. I learned that visiting my lover's family oh, in Kansas City. That's true. I didn't know what BOGO was. At a Payless store? At a Target. Okay. They taught me about that and end caps, which are at the end of an aisle. That's where they put all the stuff that they're trying to get rid of on sale. That's called an impulse buy. Yeah. But they put the impulse buys in end caps. What's an end cap? It's the shelf at the end of the aisle. Is that when you spell that something in all capital letters? Yes. Gotcha. So, Jojo, how did you find a way oh. to get this book out there? That's a great question. Because it's Colin and I have been trying. <laughs> We've been trying so hard. Oh. Really right to the end of my road. Oh, no one wants to publish anything we've written. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I just did like any New York writer did. I pounded the pavement and I put it up in a blog post and some guy saw it and sent me an email over my YouTube account <laughs> and asked me to come in for a meeting. 
That's how it's done these days? Well, that's how it's always been done with mine. That's okay. so exciting to meet with a huge publishing agent. Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. They had free water. What? Evian and Poland Spring? Evian and Poland Spring. Woo! And you had to give an ID at the building downstairs. Water for the and boys, water for the girls. And they take a picture of you. They put it on this, like, paper badge. What? You have that, to wear a lanyard around your neck? That, that you, they hand it to you, That's and fa- then nothing happens with it ever again. That's fantastic. Then and you shove it in your backpack, and you find it seven months later, and you're like, why do I have all these paper badges? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's probably, it's, it's probably very... the author portrait they put on the back of the book. Oh, uh, that's probably it. what it is. So I think that this is one of the big reasons that Colin and I haven't been published is whenever we've gotten a meeting with a publisher, we kind of... Uh, we kind of blow it. You biff it. Mm-hmm. We biff it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, we have a meeting coming up. Now, yeah. this is a little With bit- With who? The well, Big Dogs? we can't say which publishing house. <laughs> it, is, it is It is Big Dog Publishing. We'll give you a hint. Their mascot is a huge wet <laughs> Penguin. <laughs> I know, a huge wet rat. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you get peace. Together, which publishing house that is? We can't say we don't want to jinx it. Knock on wood. <laughs> oh, we broke the table again. Um, but uh, we are pitching our new book that we are writing together called <laughs> "The Milkman's Nephew," and oh. we think it's going to be really fantastic. But every time we go into pitch, we get uh, you know, classic nerves, dry mouth, soaking wet eyes. <laughs> Some, some people call it crying. <laughs> Rumbly tummies. So we just wanted to see if you had advice on pitching and then see if maybe you would like help us run some practices. My first advice yes. to calm down in a pitch meeting. Yeah. You have to be your own champion. And by that, I mean when you come in there, you know you're going to get nervous in a meeting. Mm-hmm. You bring your own Big old bouncy ball that you sit on <laughs> instead of a chair. Oh, yeah. Like how people in offices... <laughs> Wow, bring, do you bring it in inflated or do you inflate it in the room? <laughs> I bring it in completely deflated. That's where we're going wrong. We were trying to, we get stuck in the door trying we to have, go into the pitch meeting with yeah. the big, big ball. I brought one of those couches that's an inflatable couch from, you know, 80s sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And it just took me so long. By the time I got it inflated, I passed out. Well, that's, and then this is your problem sure. because it's a power move to walk in there with a deflated item and mm-hmm. then go around and say, Who's got a bike pump? <laughs> Somebody's going Somebody to. Somebody get me a bike pump. It's 2015. And then you pull rank. <laughs> and then you pull rank and you find out that the person with the bike pump, usually an intern. If you shit on the intern right in front of the publishers, they're going to respect you, my God. Hey, Andy, give me that bike pump, you sweaty yeah. piece of shit. Yeah. Exactly. You know they got the bike pumps because they can't they can't afford to drive to work. They got a bike they got a bike. Yeah. Yeah. And then you make them pump it in front of you oh. while you're giving your pitch. So they're a little bit distracted by the intern. <laughs> yeah. They're not really paying attention. They know that they're feeling scared of me. If something goes wrong, you can blame it on the intern. Yes, exactly. That's perfect. And how aggressive should we be throughout the meeting? <laughs> well, yeah. When do we start shouting at people? Sh- shouting at yeah, them. Yeah, do we, do we like right away or do you like... 
Is there like a moment you're trying to find before you start shouting at people? Well, like I said, I immediately start shouting at the intern. But the publisher, you want to treat with kitten paws, okay? (laughs) You want to to oscillate between the shouting at the intern to the kitten paws with the publisher. (laughs) You want to to show them that you can be sweet, but you can also be mean. You can be very salty. You show them them the the kitten, but you also let them know like, hey, you know where this kitten came from. A fucking lion. Exactly. I got both. So then, so when you're moosing and schmoozing with that publisher, that's where the money happens. Which way does the money flow? It's a one-way street, straight from his pocket into mine. Oh yeah! See, this sounds good, Colin. Yeah. This is what. So, like, like, yeah. What would that? What would that sound like? That. Well, the, should we the, just the shouting at the yeah. intern into the the kitten paws with the publishers? Pump it faster! Pump it faster! <laughs> And my father, he was a character. You'll never believe the stories he had. Is that a Joss A. Bank suit you have? Oh, my God. I felt so seen and electrified. I forgot what Joss A. Bank was. Yeah. And I was desperately trying to find it. You said Joss, and I was like, how is this going to (laughs) end? Well, I was like, Joss Whedon suit. (laughs) Joss Stone, if you remember that. Yeah. I mean, they they probably both have uh, clothing lines. I'm just guessing. I feel like that's the next move Certainly after you Joss get us. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel <laughs> confident then coming in with the big power move. I Great. feel confident trying to do the money stuff, but I, I'm not sure how basically like if we need to work on our actual pitch. So mm-hmm. do you mind? Would you rather? Do you mind if we run a publishing pitch? We'd love to. Would you rather be us and we be the publisher or would you like to be the publisher and we be us? I think for the sake of you practicing, <laughs> well, we have you play you. Okay. okay. And, and then I'll can... be the big fat cat. Okay. In the power suit. And then afterwards, maybe we try it the other way where you're both of us and us together are one person. I think that is the only thing great. that makes sense. Okay, okay. great. <clears throat> okay, so we'll start just outside the office. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, Colin. Michael, you got this. I know, you got this. You got this, I got this, we got this. If we fuck this up, yeah. we're going to have to move back to Switzerland. <laughs> I can't have that. I can't. I, I can't. burned too many bridges. Okay, whenever back. you're ready. Okay, remember the book is The Milkman's Nephew. Milkman's Nephew. And remember our jokes that we came up with. Okay, we got it. That was one with the jokes. Okay, great. Hi, Colin. Hi, Michael. Nice to see you. Hi! Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Hey there, kitty cat. (laughs) I got paws for Um, you. Cat paws. Do you you don't have an intern in here? I need to... No, this is a mom and pop. Publishing so it's house. Just, it's just, just me. It's just you. Okay. It's just me and my sister. We run this. Well, place. I'm going to sit down on this balloon. Yeah. That the that Pop. happy birthday child's balloon. It's you all I here. could find. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, whenever you're ready, we're happy to hear. Great. The okay. Pitch. So I'm first of all just going to turn to the uh, just to have something to say to the wall. Uh, Pump it! Pump it! You pump it! Hey, look at my suit. It's Joseph Banks. <laughs> Oh, and I mean, look at your suit. And I'm wearing a Josh Sweden suit. Okay, Colin, let's pull it together. What's the number one thing you hate about books? 
Oh, then, uh, well, I guess, well, I run a publishing company. I love a lot about books, but I guess the number one thing is maybe the paper cuts. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> you idiot, wrong. The number one thing that's wrong with books is they ain't written by us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's very good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, We're looking so on your bookshelf. We're not seeing any of our names on there. I mean, it's mostly just karate trophies. <laughs> Well, we're very proud of our work here. Me and my sisters have fought long and hard to get into this business. Well, why don't I? I'd, 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 I'd kindly ask you to respect that. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll be calling us sensei after you hear this pitch. Yeah. So, this First. story is called The Milkman's Nephew. Oh, okay. That's yeah. intriguing. Okay. She likes the. She likes the. So far, so good. Okay. Title: One I'm over. I can hear you. Yeah, I don't think so. Even when we're not looking at you, you can hear us? When we're just maintaining each other's eye contact, okay. you can hear Yes, Colin, absolutely. Okay. Colin, don't move your lips from now on. If you're talking to me, if you're talking to me, okay. don't move your lips. Okay, well, I guess you didn't see my other bookshelf of trophies in lip reading. What? Oh, shit. I thought that was kissing awards, but now the lips make sense because there's eyeballs looking at them. I've never been kissed. So in the... Well, that all might change if this bitch goes well. So, anyway, the book starts a thousand years before the dinosaurs. <laughs> and just a reminder, it's called The, the Milkman's Milk Nephew. <laughs> so this book starts a million, a thousand? Thousand, thousand years. years. Yeah, no, no, we went over this. <laughs> and so the, it starts with sort of the primordial soup of Earth. Nobody's on it. <laughs> we got Pangea. We got volcanoes. We got bacteria. And that's just that. That's it. Okay. And one milkman. Well, how did the milkman get there? And isn't that a good question to ask your readers? So the read, isn't that something that will? They're going to want to keep reading yes, because yes. they're asking questions. Yes. Questions. They're engaged. And what does the milkman have in the bottles? Well, at the beginning of the book, nothing. Primordial soup. Yeah, <laughs> nothing but primordial soup. Are there any animals on Earth at this point in time? Like where? Where's the milk coming from? Are there cows? Uh-huh, Are there uh-huh, goats? Uh-huh, uh-huh. We have not figured that out yet. Also, how did the nephew come to pass? Is the milkman having sex with some sort of relative? And then we're that's how we're trying to create a population. I need I, you to talk slower, way slower. Did we get it? Did we get the deal? The money is flowing one way into our pockets yet? The deal? The deal. She was a favor we from my it? sister. Tell us if we got did the Did we deal. get it? No, this meeting was purely... <laughs> sir. Well, you've attacked my every want, and I I have no choice but to give us the deal. But to give us the deal. But to sue you for sexual harassment. Oh Oh, shit! Okay, and simulation. Take off the VR masks. Was that too boring? Was that the problem? Was it too baseline and we didn't sort of play with it enough? Did we not uh, karate the publishers enough? Should we have karate them more? You know, it's it's a it's a hard 
thing to kind of give notes on because you're Case, both. You're telling me I hurt my I br- I broke my knuckle karate chopping your neck. Well, you're both such passionate writers, and that's really coming across. We have not written the book yet. It's more of an idea. But I think that's also coming across. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So now let's switch roles, and you be. <laughs> and, and again, and then we, you'll see how easy and it again, is. Michael and I will be uh, one person. One person, and we do. We also started this publishing company with our sister, but neither of us will be playing that person. She wasn't. She's not there. She's busy. No. She's at home taking care of the cat. And the book is that you're trying to pitch is entitled "The Milkman's Nephew." Yeah. And use a lot of details because we just want to hear like what sort of stuff you do with that book. <laughs> okay. 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 And the timeline is. Non-negotiable. It does have to take place. <laughs> but from there, years. you can do whatever. Yeah. So whatever. it sounds like we've got page one of the book, and you guys are if really just stretch, kind of crowdsourcing If the you rest. can stretch that into a page, that's amazing. That would really help us. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. Welcome. Here come, um, come on. Come on in. in. Uh, 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 Michael, don't screw us up. Colin, don't screw us up You know we, we can, can hear you. you. What? Even if we both look directly into each other's eyes? Even if I do look directly into, oh, oh, my arms hurt from karate. So sexy. Sexy. <laughs> uh, hey, I got this book I want to tell you about. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm listening. listening. <laughs> The book calls the milkman's nephew. It's the milkman's nephew. The milkman's nephew. So good. And it's about like dinosaurs, but not, and ooze, but milk, and nephews, but they don't exist. Very interesting. So did I nail it? Big time. Here's some money. Open up your wallet. Cause here Here's comes the money. Chugga 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 chugga. Money. I mean money. I mean money. Wow, a successful day. I'll say. You're kissing yourself. <laughs> Yep. yep, we, we have, have to, to practice, practice because, because we've, we've never, never been, been kissed. kissed. Wow, that felt really good. And simulation. Yeah, yeah, that felt fun <laughs> for me. Yeah, that was a blast. It was weird because you sort of played Colin and Michael as a little... Doofy. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Because Without the... intellect. Mm, okay. It was uh, the choice I was making. I was going to say charismatic. <laughs> Well, I wanted to kind of give off a vibe of don't give these people money ever. The, you know, the kind of vibe that this person can't eat a bagel without getting cream cheese on their shirt. Is that's the, and, and this is no offense Here to you. Here in Brooklyn, good- we call it schmear, but yeah, I pretty much get the point. We also call them bagels here in New York. Yeah. A bagel and schmear. And I don't mean to, you know, shit on a fellow folksy small townsman. Well, you know what they say, uh, if you toss a chicken, you're going to hit a fence. That's just one of the things my grandmother said. In what was it again? Morat? Morati. <laughs> Morati. Hometown Morati. Where well, she was in um she was in she was uh, in mental like, institution. Yeah, she was yeah, like your uh, grandmother. Late, yeah, she late, was late stage dementia when she said that. Yeah. Cuz the way when you said it initially it sounded like it was a like a 
colloquially. Uh, they colloquially, put her in yeah. a mental institution for late stage dementia. She bit all of her employees, and that's, that's where she it used is. to run Apple. <laughs> well, good small for town, her. Small town Apple. Good she for was an Apple headquarters. You know, it's something. hard to get in that startup culture, that startup life. It'll eat yeah. you up. There, no. She invented uh, standing desks. Oh wow! Yeah. She was head of Apple and invented standing desks. Well, it's too bad that that dementia got her. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Only there was something I could have done. So, Jojo, do you have any advice to young aspiring writers? Always believe in yourself. Wow, that was really off the cuff. That sounded so natural. And I'd also say that if anyone kind of comes in your way in on your path to writing, it's okay to just get them out of the way. A okay L- little, little bit of murder never hurt it's anyone. It's okay to just knock them out. If you got a dream, you've got to accomplish it at any cost. And also remember, this is the story of you, baby. Everyone else is just a yeah. supporting character in your life. If you, so kill them. <laughs> Cancel them. Don't renew their contract. Yeah, if you're going to dream big, some other people got to take some dirt naps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. And I just wanted to, I want. Uh, we're going to end as we end every episode with something called epilogues. Where or whatever I don't know, um, where basically we give. The, That's how you end every episode. <laughs> we just are starting it today. Okay, um, but it's going to be a huge segment. You're going to see it on Instagram, Twitter. Everybody's going to start listening Live to the podcast shows for epilogues. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get 50 people to do epilogues. All and everybody gets one minute to do an epilogue. Something like that. Whatever. Really, honestly, whatever works. We just need yeah. people. To, yeah, we, to haven't, we haven't. We haven't. We haven't. We're going to get a lot honest. of merch. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah, t-shirts. t-shirts. We haven't figured out what I works. I don't read so, honey. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't figured out what works yet, but once we do figure out, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a segment we do called Epilogues, and we're each going to give the title of our next book that we're writing and the first line. Oh, great. Isn't that kind of fun? Or That's very is it? fun. <laughs> it's fun because it's not at all an epilogue. <laughs> yeah. It's just the other thing that's in the back of the book. There's a little cognitive next to dissonance. An epilogue. Yeah, okay. So maybe we could work on the title, make it something. Like maybe we could call this segment uh, Cognitive Dissonance or something. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun on the T-shirt. Or also by the author. Also, I'll Google that. There's got to be something. Anyway, uh, Colin, do you want to go first or second? No, thanks. Okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. Uh, So the title of my upcoming book that I've been working on for a long time, it's inspired by... um, the well, the title it's inspired by the first day of my uh marriage, and it's called Sunrise in Hell. <laughs> and here's the first line Oh, shit. what the hell did I do last night? Let me look around the room. That's a long first line. Uh oh, I'm seeing what's around me as I'm opening my eyes. Yep. It's a whole bunch of knives, cocaine, and Animorphs books. <laughs> Maybe I do like where this is going after all. Well, I got to do just that again. A copy <laughs> editor. That's a run on. I'll do that again because I realized <laughs> the very least it's a run The same as the one I did last time where I killed all those dogs. Okay. 
<laughs> so, okay, okay. I need absolute silence because I do get a do-over. This is called uh, Sunrise in Hell. <clears throat> and here's the first line of that book. As the sun crested through the window of my seven-bedroom apartment, I realized that I had it all. Or so I thought. For now. <laughs> so... Just imagine where it could go from there. Well, JoJo, it's your turn. It's my turn. And you already told us that you were writing more books about your life, so. So here's the next one. Sure. It's another memoir. It's called Whispers to Barbara. My One Night with Barbara Streisand. (laughs) The first line. Oh, hello, gorgeous. I said to no one. (laughs) Wow. A really good misdirect. (laughs) A really good misdirect. That book's going to be a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much, Jojo Plunker. I can't wait to read that and everything you write, because honestly, I'm pretty scared that you might kill us if we don't. Well, if you get in my way on my road to stardom, then yeah, you're going to have to go. Thank you so much for joining us on this art probably worst episode (laughs) (laughs) or at least the one we left we left through the most stuff but you were really good no well I'm I'm gonna go home tonight and I'm I'm gonna think about what you said I'm gonna replay everything I said over and over and think about the ways I guess I could have made it tighter or funnier well what I'd say is Colin and I really set us all up for success (laughs) oh And And that's that's the the end end of that chapter. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.